Welcome to the Clifford Chance podcast, where we discuss the biggest issues and trends faced by businesses today. My name is Peter Chapman, and today we're talking to Simon Gleason, who is a partner in our financial regulation group here at Clifford Chance, and the author of The Legal Concept of Money. Today, we'll be discussing the future of banking. Simon, perhaps we could kick off uh, with, with a question about how technology might transform uh, banking. How do you see that playing out? Surely. Well, this really comes down to the fact that technology is changing the nature of money, and banking really is nothing more than the service of enabling society to make payments and therefore to deal with money. Banking at the moment is based on a particular group of technologies which can loosely be called account banking. Distributed ledger, crypto coins, enable those services to be provided in different ways. So I don't think there's any doubt that banking in the future, possibly even in 10 or 15 years' time, will look very different from what it looks like today. The real question is which entities will be providing those services. Will they be the banks of today, or will they be a whole new group of payment-based technology companies? And, and, and on that, Simon, do you see the big data, big technology companies as proposing a, a challenge to the traditional banks in this space? Well, given that Facebook has announced Libra, to some extent they're already moving into this space. I mean, it's not obvious in a funny sort of way that banking has a future at all. I mean, if money can be dealt with directly by end providers, the sort of Amazons um, and Alibabas of this world, maybe we don't need banks at all. And it's, that doesn't seem likely, but it's certainly possible. It's really just a matter as to how buyers and sellers account between themselves for the transfer of value, which is the mirror image of any sale of goods or provision of services. Ultimately, this is an accounting function. It could be that we just have public ledgers on which those accounts happen. It, this is a, it's a very exciting time, but it must be a fairly nerve-wracking time to be a bank. <laughs> Which leads very nicely on to the next question. If you're in the bank's shoes, how do you prepare for that challenge? How do you prepare for that mm. digital disruption that's coming? Well, it is very diff very difficult. You know, I mean, the management consultancy industry spends much of its time nowadays discussing the terrible choices facing large corporates whose industries are being disrupted and the problem of how do you both preserve your existing business whilst at the same time becoming a disruptor rather than the victim of disruption. Um, I think the banks have two great advantages here. One of them is they have very deep pockets, but the other more important one is levels of trust. Anything involving money and payments really looks for a very high level of trust from customers in the person whom you're trusting to look after your money. In a funny sort of way, the real asset that the banks have is that deep level of trust which exists. You know, people may not like their banks, but they trust them. And, and part of that trust, of course, is derived from being highly regulated. Absolutely. And how do you think the regulators and central banks 
are responding to these new developments? How should they respond to these new developments? Well, I think they've got two distinct buckets of problems. One of them is how do you deal with payment service providers? There is already an existing infrastructure of payment service legislation. The question is, how do you apply that to these new participants? But in a funny sort of way, that's the smaller part of the problem. The larger part of the problem is, how do you regulate things like Libra, things like Bitcoin, the actual providers of the money substitute itself? And the question there comes down to, how, if at all, should you regulate the provision of money? You know, for example, in securities, we actually don't regulate securities. We do it all by regulating securities intermediaries. Can you do that here? Can you just forget about the coins and regulate the payment intermediaries? No, th these are really big questions, and these are the issues that the regulators are grappling with today. Uh, and that, I think, raises the question as to whether the existing regulatory framework is fit for purpose. Is, mm -hmm. is, do we think it is, or does it need to adjust? It certainly needs to adjust. One of the most interesting things about the uh, Facebook Libra proposal, uh, on which, by the way, I do think your note is absolutely splendid, Peter. Thank you very much. <laughs> but the, the, one of the most important thing about that is that when the regulators came to sit down and look at what had been proposed, they found that it seemed to fall neatly between a number of different regulatory categories without really falling within any of them. And that fact on its own, I think, really underlined the fact that new ways of doing things are going to require new ways of regulating them. We can't just extend the existing regulatory boundaries. We have to step back and ask, what is it that regulation is trying to achieve here? Yeah. And, and obviously, Libra has global aspirations to be yeah. a, an international currency. Yeah. But ob obviously, regulation yeah. is not the same in all jurisdictions. So is something like yeah. Libra ever going to take off? Well, I think Libra will unquestionably take off to some extent in some places. The challenge that Libra poses is that the only regulatory response that makes sense is a fairly massively international cross-border response. Uh, it, it, I don't think that governments look at this as a response to Libra particularly. I think the way that they look at it is as a response to challenges that will come. You know, the fundamental issue that this, um, th th this illustrates is that things that are done on distributed ledgers are not actually done in any particular place at all. So working out which regulations apply to them requires cross-border cooperation between governments and regulators. Yeah. And, and sort of casting our minds forward, mm. um, you know, the way we make payments and... and you know, the, the form that money takes has always changed. But looking forward 10, 20 years, are we going to be making payments in a radically different way or are we going to see an evolution in how we make payments? I think we will be making payments in a radically different way in the sense of what goes on under the surface. I actually doubt that people will notice anything different at all. You know, the plumbing will be radically re-engineered 
But the only thing that the user of the payment system is going to notice is that more or less instant payment will be the norm. <laughs> so the water still comes out the taps, but the plumbing may be different. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to pick your brains on, you've obviously uh, recently authored your new book, The Legal Concept of Money. I wondered if you could maybe just give us a little flavour of uh, what the, the book covers, you know, what was your inspiration for it, and um, you know, what, what, what you'd learnt through authoring uh, such, a, such an interesting work. No, absolutely. It's interesting because most of the legal work on money that exists was written in the era of the gold standard. Money has moved on a long way since then. Actually, the theoretical legal underpinnings of what do you mean by money, how does money fit into ideas about ownership, ideas about um, transfer, have changed a long way. And the object of the book was to try and reconsider the law of money as it works today as opposed to how it worked in the days when you paid money with gold coins. Of course, the fact that the concept of money is changing rapidly, practically month by month at the moment, did not make it any easier. But the important thing about new forms of money is that considering them raises new questions. And what the book really does is a first draft at answering those questions. <laughs> Very good. And, and was there any particular thing that you discovered in researching your book that, that you thought was uh, interesting or that you'd, you'd never come across before? Well, the, the most important point, and this is something a lot of lawyers still completely fail to grasp, is the question of whether something is actually money is nothing to do with the law. And it, the question of whether something is money entirely depends on whether people generally treat it as money. This whole notion that money is that which is legally designated as acceptable legal tender just doesn't work and hasn't worked for a very long time. But, of course, that's very important when you start to think in the context of things like Libra. Absolutely, and whether those things would be treated as money Absolutely. Um, or not. And then we've got Cybos coming up next week, um, and I wonder whether you had any thoughts on what the, the likely themes... Uh, are that we'll expect to see emerging from the Cybos conference? Well, I mean, I think most people coming to Cybos this year are going to be coming to see what everybody else is up to. You know, this is an area where there is so much going on in so many different directions that it's really quite hard to keep track of. I think the other interesting point, though, is rather nearer home for SWIFT, which is, after all, the organiser of Cybos. There are two sets of issues going at the moment. One of them relates to payments within countries, the sort of thing um, that central banks worry about. The other is about cross-border payments, which of course is the problem that SWIFT was set up to solve and is exactly the area that Libra see as their major source of profitability due to the inefficiency of those measures. I think in addition to concentration on national payment systems, we're going, we're going to see a lot more thinking about cross-border payments and how that infrastructure works. Clifford Chance is going to be at Cybos this year, and I note that you're moderating a panel. Could you tell us a little bit about what the, the panel is that you're hosting? Well, it's actually a very exciting panel. We have bankers, central bankers, 
payment systems people, um, technology folk. And what we're going to discuss between us is what is the future of banking? Uh, I think I, if I'm lucky, we'll have as many answers as we have panelists. But um, it is something that I find fascinating that we need that very broad set of disciplines, really, in order to make a dent in the question. There's a lot going on. But I gather you're speaking as well? I'm also speaking at Cybos, indeed. So I will be at the R3 stand on Tuesday. Uh, and I will be similarly talking a little bit about the future of financial services, particularly how distributed ledger, um, and particularly the R3 quarter network, uh, may impact uh, financial services and, and, and payments. So I'm very excited to be uh, doing my little uh, talk at, at the R3 stand, and hopefully mm. you know, people will come along to that. One other thing we should just mention, of course, is that post-Cybos, we are hosting a debriefing event here at Clifford Chance, where we'll be picking up on some of the trends and themes that came out of Cybos. Uh, we'll have a panel session, uh, which uh, clients would be very welcome to attend. If you would like to attend the post-Cybros debrief, please visit Talking Tech, um, the Talking Tech mini-site at Clifford Chance. Um, and you'll be able to register there to attend that event. And we hope to see as many of you there as uh, possible. So clearly change is coming, uh, but change has always happened. I think it sounds to me like the key is to get prepared today and be ready as a bank or technology company to compete in this space tomorrow. And if you've enjoyed that podcast, uh, you may be interested in listening to some of our other podcasts on cliffordchance.com. Or for more information on other business topics such as Brexit and global trade, have a look at our thought leadership pages and online hubs, Talking Tech and also our Brexit hub. You've been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please stay tuned for more coming soon to cliffordchance.com.